This is Ashley Randolph, the host of the Ashley Randolph podcast show right here on Glow Premies podcast. I am so happy today to have Bridget Baker with me. And hey, Bridget, thank you for being here. Yeah, we are so excited. This is, we've really been looking forward to this. Yes. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I have gone over topics like the one we're going to go over today. Um, in case you guys are wondering, she is from Booked, Bagged, and Tagged. And not only is that a great podcast, but they're all about crime stories and safe havens for babies. And I mean, you guys are going to love them just as much as I do. Oh, um, thank you. Bridget, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about you and your husband? Because yeah. you guys are a duo, which is like so we perfect are. to me. And we are. your podcast. <laughs> so we started the podcast, honestly, uh, we wanted something that we could do together as a hobby. And we have both always been very into the whole true crime world and the different cases of it. Um, I'm always been very intrigued with the psychology behind all of these people in these cases and kind of like why they do what they do. And with true crime being such a hobby with both of us, we've used it as a teaching tool, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, like our three kids, we they know what to do and how to do it if they're ever somewhere and something happens and, you know, we've got them like trained on <laughs> how to react, you know, just from different cases that we went over. And with each case, we try to give out resources um, like different things with babies. We've talked about safe havens or when we have a domestic violence case, we always let everybody know the different resources around us that they can have. Now, that is interesting. Something that you said just made my eye twitch a little bit. Um, you said that you use the stories to help educate your children. I and do. That is something that you don't usually hear, but that is actually a great way if you really think about it. So that's actually a good yes. tip. And it's I, really about the perspective. It is. And I mean, you have to keep in mind, like our, we have two younger ones and then we have an 11 year old. We do not tell them all the scary things that can happen. But with each case that we've done, I've learned something from that in ways of just like, say we're out in town and I've listened to a case before. I'm like, okay, well, I know that if, you know, A, B or C happens, this is how I can react. And so I've made sure that even our youngest knows their address. They know our full names, not that we're just mommy and daddy. And they can, you know, do what they, they can tell somebody what they need to tell them if they're ever in a situation to where we're not there. So we've mm -hmm. used that to just make sure that, you know, we are keeping our kids as safe as we possibly can, because I mean, it's 2022, this world is, it's a lot now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Way different than 10 years ago or 20 years yes. ago, I will say. Absolutely. Now, um, that actually brings into our topic today. So we're going to talk about safe havens. And I know that that's something that is truly, truly, really close to your heart. Do you want to yeah. go ahead and lead the conversation on that? Yeah. So every state, it's a little different, but for the most part, the idea is the same. So 
what they do is a safe haven is basically a place to where you can take your baby and I'm, it's where like, cause there were so many people out there who were abandoning their babies and something would happen to the baby or people who didn't know they had other options. So we made up these safe haven laws. So like in Georgia, where we are, you have up until the baby is 30 days old and you can take the baby to like a medical facility, a fire station, a police station, and you don't have to show proof of identity. You don't have to show any addresses and you can leave the baby there and you will not be asked any questions. Nothing will happen to you. You're basically surrendering your parent parental rights when you hand it over mm-hmm. by saying, you know, I, I can't do this. You know, here's the baby. And that is the safest, you know, alternative to leaving the baby somewhere or, you know, in some of the cases I've looked at where it just goes the worst possible scenario. Right. Right. So the key word I heard you say was you will not get in trouble. No, no, you will not. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, in Georgia, you can take the baby to a safe haven up until it is 30 days old. And then after that, you can, you can still take the baby, but you would probably be asked to show some form of identity um, in Georgia anyway. Now I think there was Tennessee. It was, I think they had one that was a little longer, um, a time frame. but it's just a way of saying like, okay, you know, let us help you. This is the best thing that we can possibly do for you and this child. You know, no questions asked basically. Right. I love that. No questions asked. We're here for the baby. Um, now, yes. as far as you know, um, let's say a mom drops off her baby and about maybe a month or two goes by and she decides she wants her baby back. Do you have any resources or educational tips or anything you can give to those so- parents? In that situation, what happens when you surrender your baby? Basically, you're saying, I cannot, I cannot be this child's legal guardian anymore. So it is Mm -hmm. a form of you handing over your guardianship or parental rights. Now to get that baby back, you would have to work with family services and things of that nature, just because, I mean, you did surrender your parental rights with it. Um, I'm not saying that it's impossible but you probably would, it would take some time for you to get the baby back if that's what happened. Okay. So thank you for that. For any parents who do have that in mind, um, just keep that in the back. You know, it's not hard. Uh, Well, it's not a hard no, but it will be a fight. Yeah. It's just like they said, they won't have options. Right. The baby's in mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Um, As far as you know, are there safe havens in every state or are you not sure? I'm not 100% sure. I do want to say there's some form of a safe haven law in every state. Um, I know that in, I think it was in 2020, there were 4,422 babies that were saved that year, um, which was almost tripled from you know, a few years ago. So it's something that sadly it is working. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say sadly, because that that is a very hard situation, 
but I would mm. rather a baby be surrendered and find a loving home and family than the baby struggling and also the mom, you know? Right. And I agree with you. Um, if mom's already struggling, you know, I love the fact that they have options. So if they're not comfortable going to the hospital, you can go to the fire department. You can mm-hmm. go to different places. So, you know, where you feel most comfortable and who you can trust the most, you have options. Um, yeah. Options are always good. Do you happen to know of um, any stories of safe ha- havens? I, well, I do know that. So it's not a technically a safe haven story, mm-hmm. but it is one where the the law enforcement and the fire um, station people, they just kind of went above and beyond with it. And the footage from this will just make your heart feel. Um, actually here in Georgia, I want, it was, I want to say it was 2020. Uh, we not far from us up in Forsyth County, we had a, some, there was a family who had been on vacation and they came home. It was pretty late at night and they were walking in the house and they heard something. And at first they thought it was a coyote or just, you know, something like an animal, because your first thought in the pitch black outside is not that there is a baby. Well, they investigated and they found a baby in a plastic bag that looked like it had been tossed off the side of the road. And, you know, they immediately just kind of jump into action and her, we, they named her, um, well, I think the hospital named her baby India. You can look it up. It's such a heartwarming story. She's now adopted and in such an amazing family, but the part that of this whole story You can look it up on YouTube and it's the baby India um, body cam footage. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I saw one woman in the whole video, but the way that this, these police officers, the man that found her, the um, EMS that was on the scene, the tenderness and the loving care that they took with this baby was the absolute Mm -hmm. sweetest thing I've ever saw. It will melt your heart listening to these grown men do their absolute best that they can for this child in that moment. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to make sure to put that link at the bottom of our episode for Baby India. That sounds really sweet and a good example. Yes. And see, the thing I... I called up and I spoke with some police officers. Um, The case is still ongoing, so they could not give me a whole lot of information. But I don't think they were ever able to find baby India's actual birth mother or what had happened. There's now being in the area. Of course, we have heard tons of rumors of who it could be. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they ever very definitively found out who it was. Wow. Yeah, that's a touching story. It, it is. It is so nice to see like how good she's doing now because the way that the community came together in that time, they posted a picture of the baby on social media and basically they were trying to find anything out like, you know, who could this baby possibly belong to mm-hmm. and the amount of people who were offering to foster her until they could find something more permanent it was overwhelming. It was so sweet to see all these people just giving anything and everything they could for this child. 
we need more of that. We do, especially in a world like we live in today. Yes, that that's a real village. That's a, a really, really good village for that baby. Yes. How old do you think baby India is now? I want to say she is three years old. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a good story. Um, I can't wait to watch the video of baby India. And I hope that one day she makes a video at maybe 18 or, you know, 25. Uh, That would be cool to see, you know, as an update with all maybe the staff may not be around, but maybe the same like fire department. Oh, the absolutely. That hospital. That would be so cool. Testimony. Yeah. Yeah. That That's a huge testimony for sure. It really is. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to cover about safe havens, which is very, very important, especially uh, this being NICU awareness month. Yes. And uh, preemies come out pretty early and I have been in the NICU where I have seen parents who had their baby preemie uh, I've seen this once um they had twins and the parents never came back oh and so God. the godmother um she was coming in to see the babies and she was there like she was the mom um and I remember the nurses always asking you know where's mom and dad and she was saying yeah. I don't know um, so I don't know what happened after, because uh, my kids did leave or my son left before the twins left, but it, it always stuck in the back of my mind, you know, did God mom have to take the babies? Um, cause I never saw the parents and it was like yeah. two weeks. So, you know, that's the story that always stuck with me. So I'm glad that you brought up the safe haven topic. And I know that they do have it here in California. Um, so if that they did leave the children at the hospital, like you said, they 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 have that right, you know. I think yeah. here it's the same thirty days, if not longer. I'll have to double check, but um, the parents have that right. Uh, so thank you for bringing that up. Um, I do want to talk to you about one more topic. Okay. I have to ask you, where is Irene? What is going on with her case? I know her family um, made a website called whereisirene.com. I've been following it closely. And initially, this is why I reached out to you, because this story was so mind boggling to me that I had to get you on board. Um, yes. What is your thoughts with Irene? Where is she? Where Where do you think she may be? Just tell me your thoughts and let's jump into this convo. So she was last seen alive during a video call with her parents and that was back on February 24th. So she ended up not being reported missing until March 20th and there has been so many like different stories come out about this that I've heard different theories, you know, Mm -hmm. they, I mean, they seen her fiance using a debit card to purchase items that were, you know, it was like a boots and shovel Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And obviously when you see that your mind goes to one very scary place. So 
they have, you know, he is identified as a person of interest, but it, I think there was also, um, according to documents, he had been accused of transferring over like 30, not 30, uh, $3,000 out of her bank account and Mm. ended up charging $600 on her debit card after he had told the authorities that she packed her bags and left. Mm -hmm. So very sadly, I hate to assume this, but with him buying the things that he was buying and it looks like he's using her visa card and he hit the $3,100 limit on it with 80 different transactions back to back. Like that really, to me, all points to one thing. And sadly, it makes me feel like she may have already passed away and Mm -hmm. he it's being hidden or, you know, and again, I hate to say that, but it's just in so many cases I have looked at when I mean, it's one of those things when someone shows you who they are, believe them, believe you know? Them. Yes. Yes. Um, you know what story just came into my mind as you were describing what's going on? Um, remember the young couple, um, the white couple that the it was a young girl and her boyfriend or fiance. Gabby Petito. Yes. That was what, last year? Or was that even that this was, year? No. Mm, that was twenty. 20- yeah it was last summer yeah and it's yes. like such night and day yes still a couple he had used her card he was doing weird things that included his parents mm-hmm. and then look at how it ended um it gives me the same vibes without the same publicity because everyone was talking about that case and you know what's odd to me is there that case absolutely blew up, mm-hmm. but there were, I want to say a handful, and I, I can see three different people in my head right now. I just don't know their names, but that is my point of mm-hmm. people who went missing in the same area within the last five years and nobody knew their name. Not oh, one person. Wow. Yes. And it was like almost identical stories of them being in that area they went missing and you don't know anything now that is nothing bad to say toward Gabby Petito Mm -hmm. it just happened to be the one that did blow up and I think being in honestly I think the biggest part of why her case blew up is it was the time that it blew up because during the time that this all happened you know, a lot of people are still in the middle of quarantine. A lot of people were still at home. And of course, everybody knows during all of this COVID, TikTok blew up. Like TikTok was all anybody yes. And I think that is the biggest reason her case blew up is because it got onto TikTok and everybody wow. on TikTok spread wildfire. You're right. Because it went from TikTok to Instagram to mm-hmm. Facebook to Twitter, it was CNN, then it went everywhere. Yes. But you're right. I did start seeing it on TikTok first. Yes. And everybody was sharing their theories about it. And then, of course, you know, it, like we were all following it. And then it's just like it kept going and going. And then everything, everybody had their own theory about it. And it just mm-hmm. like conspiracy theories came out behind it. 
And now I think they're actually doing a Lifetime movie about her. I knew it. I knew it would come. Oh, yeah. I always said that. I As soon as they found him, um, they said it was his body. Okay, now I'm going to ask you this. And then we're, okay. I, I know we're off the topic, Irene. I promise you, honey, we're coming back <laughs> to you. Um, When they found what they said was his body, or was it yes. his uh bones or something? Yeah, it was remains. Do you believe really in your heart that that was really him? Or do you think they were just trying to close this massive case that just got way too big? I don't think it was him. Now, I said the same thing. I, it's one, the rate of decomposition, even with him being in Florida where he was found in the swamp, I, one, do not think they would have actually found anything. He was in Florida in the swamp. That's just somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) You're not going to find like the elements and the wildlife down there is Mm -hmm. unlike anything else. You know, Mm -hmm. I really don't. And also they found skeletal remains Mm -hmm. and he, they, so he returned home on September 1st of 2020. And, you know, then he goes missing and, I think he ended up, they found him. Yeah. Okay. They found him on September 9th and he had just went missing on September 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's no way all they found was skeletal remains that at the rate of decomposition, even though being out in that hot Florida weather would, you know, exacerbate all of that. It's not going to be just skeletal remains. That's what I said too. I said, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, not at all. Mm -mm. But the case disappeared just that fast. But I just knew that, no, there's something still not right. No, I agree 100% with what you said at first, it being something that it got too out of hand and they had to shut it down. I think that, I think, you know, he definitely killed her. He ran home to his parents and whether it be them or whoever helped him try to get away from all this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think what they found was Brian. Yes. I, I, I don't. Um, ironically, I kind of feel like it was a coincidence, like a wacky coincidence. Um, I know they found some of his items, they said, in the area. Yes. And, and I believe that he did go through that area, possibly, and he may have dropped something. Um, Absolutely. It just happened to coincidentally be where somebody's remains were unless they planted it there but um, and didn't they say they had found like a notebook of him confessing to everything Mm -hmm. and I believe that's what they I believe that's what I was uh, referring to because I remember them saying it was like a book or something and it happened to be in the area and I'm like that just no that that's just too close and um I just couldn't figure out, you know, like if an alligator or a crocodile or something was to eat him, um, I w- assume they would drag him somewhere. So mm-hmm. it, it was just weird that it would be right there in that swamp, right there. And so there are, there is wildlife in the, you know, the Everglades and all that, where he was found that yes. there are animals that would and can very possibly swallow him whole. Yes. So, so I just yeah. don't think it would, I just think it was very convenient how it mm-hmm. was found and how it was just presented. And I a hundred percent agree. Um, I'm glad I'm on track. See, I told you, uh, <laughs> we were talking before this, you guys. And I said, I've always had 
um, a second life, if you would say, where I've always been into crime stories and following, you know, things that happen and the facts and what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. But I've never talked about it really, except to my dad. Um, so this is really fun for me. Like this episode <laughs> right here, the whole episode is like pure joy. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> bringing it back to Irene, I see the same thing because, you know, the cops didn't arrest him and then he got away. I I, I really feel like he got away. Um, yes. Now, I know the guy in Irene's case, her boyfriend, um, he went to jail and bonded out. Yes. Even though all this evidence, just like Gabby Petito's boyfriend, all their evidence is like almost similar both use bank oh, yeah. accounts. Both, you know, they're they deleted her email. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the fake text messages they believe uh, that came to the family. Um, I think it was right after they last talked to her, and then yeah. that reminded me so much. Like right now, I'm thinking of. Um, I think Gabby Petito, like they were saying, her Instagram wasn't the same caption and writing that she would use. It was like things to throw people off. And it's like, how can you let someone else walk away? Especially for Irene. Because, you know, she was going to be a nurse, I know. And yeah, she um, was. She was only 32. Yeah. And it's just like, this is like you said, it's almost identical. And it's like, are we really going to do this again? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I hate to say it, but it's like a slap in the face. Like. Yeah, we know what happened the first time, but this time it's not as big. Um, so, you know, we'll just let the facts roll out how they, however they come out and if they ever come out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, something in me tells me that she may be somewhere close to where they lived. Um, I don't yeah. know why. I, I don't have no evidence to prove it. Um but I always go back to, and you may know this story. Um, I'm going to call you my uh, crime partner now. Um, <laughs> in Sacramento, I want to say like 20 years ago, or maybe even longer than that, there was a lady, and I'm from Sacramento. Um, okay. There was a lady who lived downtown and she had a house and she was having people come in who had like SSI checks and government checks uh Dorothea Puente yes and she killed them all and got all their checks and I almost have like the same mindset for him like he used her and then he obviously took her money Mm -hmm. and then nobody knows where she is and I almost feel like she has to be somewhere by that house she has to be yes I mean, in Dorothea Puente's case, it's funny. We actually did a case on her recently. So this is very fresh in my mind. You Um, got to send me that link so I could post that too. (laughs) I will. I will. Uh, Like all of her, well, most of her victims after they were killed were just in her backyard, you know? So it was, I mean, very close. And it's not like he has really ran. I mean, it's, I agree. I feel like he's very close or she is very close to where they are. Yeah. I, I just have that real, real strong feeling. Um, Cause he bought the boots. I know we, he bought a shovel. 
Yes. Um, there was nothing hinting at the fact that that I saw, maybe you did, um, like any extra gas to carry with him. So like no gas cans or anything. Cause I assume yeah. if you're driving with a dead, you know, deceased body that you wouldn't be stopping at gas stations to refill. Um I I just, you know, there was like not a lot of planning, obviously, mm-hmm. but it had to be somewhere close to him. And I know they live in um I believe it was was it Wyoming or Idaho? Uh, Wyoming is where they were staying. Yes. Now, Wyoming, um, Wyoming has a lot of wooded area, I believe. A lot yeah. of wooded area. So it, it could be there. Um, I just really hate that she's been missing for so long. And I really, really feel for her family. That's the thing. It's, I mean, in any situation, it is absolutely devastating, but I mm-hmm. feel like not getting the closure in the end is what hurts the most because it's like, okay, I'm obviously grieving because this person is not with me, but am I grieving their death or am I grieving just their disappearance? Like how long do you yes. hold out hope? Oh yeah, that's so true because you're, you're grieving, but you don't know what you're grieving for. Mm-hmm. And that that alone has to be giving them nightmares. Yes. Um, and I know, I know that, that they were yeah. talking about a, uh, like neighbors had told police that they noticed him burning a 55 gallon drum that he had purchased the day of that really? final video. Yes. So the shovel, the boots, the, him burning something in this 55 gallon drum and it was the same day that it was that February 24th that she had talked to her mom and dad. So, I mean, it really makes you think like, okay, did, was, was she killed that day? And that was him disposing of the remains. Because she, now I'm on her website that her family created for her. And they said she was 5'1", 89 mm-hmm. pounds. Very, very petite. So she definitely could have been in that size of a 55 gallon I, yes. I think she would be able to fit in that if <sighs> absolutely no I did not know that part yeah it I mean and that's just mm. what's devastating about it is if there's really not much in this case that gives you hope other than just you know praying that it turns out well mm-hmm. but it I mean it's just such a sad situation because I mean she hadn't been in America very long from what I believe. I think her family was from Kenya. Is that right? Yes. And they said um, she came May 2019. Yes, that's right. So she hasn't even been here long. No. And I, <sighs> it, it, what all of the things are saying is, so she met this man on Craigslist. So mm-hmm. there really isn't, there's no telling what he had told her beforehand. And she meets this man and then, I mean, what kind of nightmare was she living before this happened, you know? Yes. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, looking at the timeline now, let's see. So uh, she moved. See, Oh, I see it now. February 24th, Nate mm-hmm. buys a 55-gallon drum. Uh, March 3rd, some unusual texts were sent from her phone. That's what I was saying was so similar to the Gabby Petito case. 
um, March 8th, her WhatsApp account is deleted. Oh, that's ironic. Oh, yeah. Um, March 10th, her phone number is deleted. Oh, my goodness. And then the 20th, they file a missing persons report. Yeah, and I mean, then... they did, they had 24 search warrants, but they mm-hmm. really just didn't see much. I mean, other than the, they found that he was charging all kind of stuff to her accounts. He had deleted her email, her WhatsApp app, and I mean, all of those things. But it was like in the uh, Mary Catherine Higdon case, in the Casey yes. Anthony case, it just, it puts you in that mindset of those, both of those women, you know, it's very obvious that they probably did it, but you could not charge them with murder or whatever beyond a reasonable doubt like I can have like I can have all of my theories all day long and like the Casey Mm -hmm. Anthony case like we know Mm -hmm. we know but I cannot prove beyond a reasonable doubt that she did that just like it puts you with him unless Mm -hmm. you have like very definitive concrete you know evidence that's where the jury has that gray area in which I, you know, it, it would be awful to be a juror on a case like this because you're kind of put in a situation of like really life or death. Cause a lot of times, you know, it's either a death sentence or life in prison. And it's, if you make the wrong choice, you're, you have somebody's life in your hand. So mm-hmm. they take it, which you should take it very seriously either way, but you know what I'm saying? And I mean, it, it's just one of those things. That's why those women got off because it, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, they could not prove that they did that. And that's what's so infuriating with cases like that. It's like, you know, you know that what happened, but Mm -hmm. you just can't definitively prove it. Now, you almost gave me tears right now because I totally forgot about the Casey Anthony case. Casey Anthony was the one who um, was in Florida and she killed her little girl. But Lacey Peterson... That is probably one case that I have followed or I've watched and held so closely for years. Her husband, Scott Peterson, mm-hmm. murdered her on December 24th, yeah. and she was seven months pregnant with baby Connor. Mm-hmm. And that case shatters my heart because, yeah. and I mean, I'm not, I know, I don't want to get too gruesome because I mean the, on my podcast you know it's a true crime you know what you're getting when you come there so I don't want to <laughs> get too much but yeah. the way that they found them and it a woman's body is just absolutely amazing and the what the things that it can do and the way that it protects your, the child even when you don't think it is a mother's mm-hmm. body is just absolutely amazing and when they found Connor the the level of decomposition on Connor versus Lacey's body was astronomical because her body had protected him and he stayed in utero for a very long time. So he was at a different decomposition rate than she was. And I will never forget when they found the baby body. No. Um, I, I, I just remember like so vividly, like the whole case, uh, yes, Lacey Peterson, and um, because it happened so close here, so of course you know it was like all day on on our news, twenty four seven, the whole thing. And he just 
I remember even being at a young age, I remember him just walking around, acting like he cared, acting like he really didn't know where she was. And then the whole time he had an affair and he had a whole nother life going on. And I remember looking like, this was like the first time I realized that people had, to me, split personalities before I knew it was called split personalities. Yeah. How can you live two double lives? And then sit there with a straight face to the cameras to her family to your family and say I don't know what happened so the Lacey Peterson case is actually what the book Gone Girl was kind of mirrored after Mm. now if you've read Gone Girl or if you've watched the movie Mm -hmm. the ending is different I will say it you know Lacey is obviously the victim in the true crime case the real case but you just got to watch Golden Girl to understand what I'm trying to say but I don't want to give away the ending but it it really kind of it put it in perspective a little bit better when you're watching everything that's going on and of course in my mind I was constantly thinking about Lacey and Scott and I'm just like the narcissistic like behavior behind the entire case throughout the whole case that Scott was like I'm not going to get caught you know, they're not going to look into me or the fact that he could turn on those tears at the drop of a hat. I was like, there had to be more going on at home than Lacey had said anything to anybody for mm-hmm. it to take a complete 180 turn. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just I actually sad. said that um, now that I'm older and, you know, I work a lot with uh, families and families with babies. Um most of the time it's arguments that went too far. Yes. And so um, when I look at Lacey Peterson, which I hope um, did not happen with Irene's case, um, you know, it was, somebody usually gets fed up. Mm-hmm. And so um, maybe Lacey found the, the pictures of the affair or, you know, there was something because it, it was getting close to Christmas yeah. Um, maybe she found a gift for the other woman and she went bonkers or some money was taken out and she saw it was at a store that she know he shouldn't have been shopping at anything. And that whole like scenario right there is exactly mm-hmm. what happened in the Chris Watts case where mm. he, she kind of found out she was pregnant and she found out about him having a, an affair while she was away. And he killed her pregnant with their son, Nico. And then he killed their two babies. And they were two and four, three and four, something like that. And there's a video of the youngest one singing that Coco Melon song about my daddy is a hero. And knowing how their lives ended, it's, it's so, I don't understand. Like something that, you know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was put on this earth to be a mom. I have, I'm just a motherly spirit. I've mm. raised my siblings and our three boys. And, you know, that's why I think I've held the the baby cases and the cases with these children so closely, because I just, I don't understand the, the kind yeah. of person who could do that. But I, I read somewhere, what was it? I can't remember who asked, who said it. But they were like, they said something along the lines of, I don't understand how somebody could do this to a child. And the police officer turned around 
and said to them, you know, as long as I've done this, I've had people ask that question. And the second you can answer that question is the second you turn into that person. So I stopped Ooh. asking myself that question. And I'm like, yeah, there's that, that there's some things that you just can't explain. And it's better to stop trying to ask the question and just be the one that gives the resources and has the hand held out for whoever needs the help. So these babies don't have to keep suffering through the lives behind the curtains and behind doors that mm. their parents are hiding. Now that was a good way to bring both topics together. I must say that. Um, Thank you. See, I told you guys she has a good podcast. You guys have to watch it. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I I am just so happy that, you know, I was able to bring some awareness to I, Irene yes. story. Um, beautiful Black woman. Um, I hope that this helps people look for her. Um, if anyone has any information out there, please contact the Gillette Police Department. Um, and you can also contact the National Missing and Identified Person System. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll make sure to post the links below. Um, Bridget, I wanted to say thank you again for our wonderful episode. You are you more are than so welcome well. anytime. I mean, we can talk about these stories all day long. <laughs> um, I would love to have you back. Um, I would love to start doing um, a series with you. Um, Absolutely. Even if it's once a month, I, I know you have your own things going, but we'll talk more. And this was really, really, really powerful. Um, you brought us safe havens and information and even a good story. And then we spread awareness about not only Irene, but we talked about Lacey Peterson. We even brought up the name Casey again, Casey Anthony. So people remember, you know, yes. uh, we talked about Gabby Petito. So there's all these faces. So we all have to come together to help one another. If you do see a sign of any type of stress, um, you know, there's a common trend now that says, you know, if a couple is arguing, stay out of it because they'll yeah. be the one getting back together and they won't be talking to you. Mm-hmm. But then you also don't want to end up with a situation like what we have in front of us. Exactly. And oh. you have to remember like domestic violence, it is not always black and white. There's a lot of gray in there. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you have to say, you know, do you want that person maybe a little angry with you that you stepped in or do you want to get the phone call that you never want to get? Exactly. exactly. Another good resource is the Crime Stoppers USA. And it's just like, it's a 1-800 number. You can add the link for that, of course, but they are always taking any tips or anything out there for any cases. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, Please use these resources, guys, if you need to. Crime Stoppers is amazing. I do know that. And hopefully we can find Irene. Um, I do have a, one more question for you before we leave here today. And I hope we don't come back on another episode. And I said, oh, my <laughs> God, you were right. Um, the 55-gallon barrel that they found. Yes. 
from your now we know you're, you're not exactly you know forensics or anything but from what you have went through with your stories and background if she was in there do you think they would be able to possibly find some dna on that barrel proving that she was there they can um it's absolutely possible that they could it just really depends on what condition that the barrel is in now mm-hmm. um like blood and different things like it, it it depends on the surface like with cotton or you know fibers of that nature it's near impossible to get anything out of because of what it is but as far as like a barrel you know you can bleach that you can clean that but then that changes the the, it it would show something completely different that they could kind of detect if there was bleach in there or not Mm -hmm. but I would say that it would be very very hard to keep absolutely everything off of that or to clean everything off of that so I think that you very well could still find something in there well, thank you, Bridget, for answering that. Um, before I let you go, I had that burning question. <laughs> before I let you go, um, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and your husband? And... Yeah. Go ahead. So we are on Instagram. It's booked, bagged, and tagged. And we post, like, after every episode that we do, we'll post, like, pictures of like who the victims were and things like that. I'm a visual learner. I have to see faces after I listen to a case. Um, And we also have a Facebook group and it's the same name booked bag and tagged. And in there we do a lot of polls and things like after each case, it's like, okay, what do you think? And stuff like that. Um, We're on every major platform as far as podcasts go. Um, Apple music, Spotify, Amazon, Google, things like that. So Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to find us well thank you Bridget I hope you guys get a million subscribers after this Um, (laughs) that would be amazing (laughs) this was a a wonderful episode and I will make sure that we talk again very soon absolutely all right thank you